1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast, production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: All right, everybody, we are live at the Power Producers Podcast, and this is the first of what we hope to be many new episodes in our Shop Talk series, We're going to still bring you the interviews with the people from around the country that are making it happen on a weekly basis, but Kyle and I were talking and wanted to make sure that we were also delivering actionable information and and technical stuff that you can use to make yourselves better when you're out working the streets. So, welcome to episode number one.
2: Numero uno, as they say in Hispanic-speaking countries, or Spanish-speaking, whatever. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, I'm with you. So... You know, I think there's a lot of people out there that listen to us that are from different stages of their career. And and I can't believe, honestly, man, it's crazy. I can't believe it's only been two years that you've been here. It seems like it's been like 10.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that the other day too. I mean, it's kind of... It,
1: like I went back and looked at my calendar. I was like, there's no way this has only been two years.
2: Yeah. With all the uh, Facebook, you know, time hop stuff that you post. I see some of that sometimes. I'm like, damn, that was two years ago. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it is. It's nuts. So... My question for you today, mm-hmm. and I want you to number one. I think that there's a lot of people out there that probably don't know what your story is, man. Why don't you give them a little bit of your, a little bit of your background? I mean, you're not just the beautiful face with the beard.
2: So this totally feels like Joe Dirt right now.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. That would be so awesome. Awesome. Oh and we're God. coming into Fourth of July, so I hope you have your Husker dues and Husker down,
2: with <laughs> or without the whistle stick. <laughs> um, no, nah, it was, was I was actually on the other day, so that's funny. But no, I mean, I so I grew up in the Tampa Bay area. It's you know all I've really known. The only other place I've lived has been Orlando, which is essentially <laughs> fringe Tampa. Um, but I uh, I went to school at USF, studied business management. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to be you know, in a place where I could go a bunch of different ways and be involved in, you know, business and sales and everything. And, um, so I graduated, uh, back in 2011 and, um, I got a job working for a marketing company that sold office supplies. So we were a B2B company. We would basically meet at the office every morning at 7.15, whatever time, do our sales meetings and hype up and everything. And then we would head out and I would be talking to anywhere from, you know, 30 to 50 businesses over the course of the day, just walking Dude, into their cold. What,
1: what did that sales meeting look like? It could not have been awesome.
2: You know, so <laughs> I think about it I re- when I reflect back and, and, and there were parts that were good and parts that I just didn't know any better because I was so green. Um, You know, there were some good nuggets of information and I learned a lot in regards to sales from that job. But yeah, there was just so much stuff where it was like, you know, you're standing in a circle, clapping the different stupid chants that you do. And it's like, when, (laughs) when you got the bell and we recorded the videos back, which was probably what, I don't know, like two years ago, whenever that was, I, I immediately had flashbacks and I was like, my God, I cannot handle this. I'm like, I'm not participating in this shit. I'm not clapping for you. I don't care about your account that you just closed. Just leave me alone. But, um, No. So, I I mean, I was walking in cold to um, a bunch of businesses every single day and and trying to sell them office supplies right on the spot. So, um, a a great experience. I was there for five and a half years. I worked my way up to the assistant manager level where I was managing a team of- Was it uh,
1: assistant manager or assistant to the manager?
2: (laughs) Assistant to the regional manager. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, no, I had a team of about, uh, you know, it, it varied, but somewhere in between six and 12 people pretty much at all times. And um, so it, it got to a point where I wasn't progressing anymore and I was I was working um, way too much and too hard and not really reaping any of the benefits um, and an opportunity presented itself for me to change careers. Um, one of my wife's coworkers workers left um, where she was and went to a local PEO and I'm sure there's a ton of insurance people on here that know what PEOs are, but for those who don't um, it's a professional employer organization where they handle HR for businesses, payroll, um, workers comp employee benefits. Um, and, and it's kind of a one-stop shop for all of that stuff. Um, so, you know, I interviewed there and the timing was right and and I, I was working there and that's, that's where you and I met when I, when I was there at co advantage, um, and you know, went out to, went out to lunch, um, you know, a, a couple times went, uh, went out in the field a couple times doing drops, which was a, which was a fun experience. Um, and you know, one thing led to another about, a, I guess I was there for almost two years and they had a, um, they acquired another PEO, which is kind of how you do it in that industry. I mean, you, you basically grow, you grow organically from stuff that you, from business that you bring in, but most of the PEOs grow from acquiring other PEOs. Um, So that happened and kind of on our, on our side of that acquisition, a lot of people got wiped and I was one of them. I was, I was the newest guy in the office and it just, you know, it, it, uh, I understood, but I was pissed as shit because I was getting married in like a month and I was like, like, I don't have enough stress already. I mean, like, I, I remember getting pulled in there. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me right now. I'm like, you couldn't have, you know, maybe, I don't know, waited or, or like giving me some sort of heads up. Um, so that was, you know, I was a little sour about that, but I, I know. Like, did uh, you literally
1: make this decision today? Like, is this really the first time you right. heard about it that you couldn't have right. at least leaked a little info to make the the landing a little softer for me?
2: It's crazy, man. I was just sitting there at my desk. Like I had no idea it was coming and you know, in anyways, um, you know, you and I had stayed in, in, in touch. I don't even know if we ever got anything on the books while I was there. I don't think we did because it wasn't, you know, like we talk about all the time. It's not like we're going out and, and are searching for ways that we can refer PEOs. Like, you know, obviously it's a, a additional way for us to bring in revenue, but it's not something that we actively do. But um, yeah, so I remember you had reached out and I think it was like the day before we were going on our honeymoon. You're like, hey, heard about what happened. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, um, you know, kind of r- really starting to grow my agency and want to bring on a producer. We need to talk. And then I was like, cool, but it's going to have to be in about two weeks when I get back from Thailand. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the rest is history.
1: Yeah, I'm interested, man. So when you were doing the office supply gig, how did they what were the KPIs that they used to measure your success? Like, I'm interested yeah. in this in the what the expectations are because that just seems like a, such a high volume,
2: so high volume, low,
1: low tart, like low hit ratio.
2: So the, like, you know, we had standards that everybody had to meet and it was, you know, quota without saying quota, really like nothing was going to happen if you didn't, you know, didn't hit it. Like if, if you were consistently underperforming, you were going to be like retrained, um, you know, by one of the managers or one of the higher, um, you know, sales reps or whatever. But, basically we expected everybody to go out and, and close two accounts a day. Um, two accounts a day was, was, you know, the, the norm. It was pretty easy to do that once you, like we had a pitch. I mean, it was simple. Like we literally would walk in and say the same thing in every business. I would say the same stupid, cheesy icebreaker. I would, you know, have the same exact pitch and you would, you know, kind of, um, Dude, you can't tell us you had a
1: cheesy icebreaker and not give it to us. I
2: had a million. I mean, you've heard the one, but like where you know where I'd walk in and and say that uh, you know introduce myself and introduce whoever else is standing because that's the other thing too. So I was never, never once I got to the point where I was where I had a team, um, and and I had been there for a couple months. I was never by myself. I was either training somebody or and or interviewing at the same time. So I would be rolling into businesses who have never seen me before with sometimes, you know, two or three people behind me just looking, you know, just looking ridiculous. Um, so you have to icebreak in order to get them to, uh, you know, drop their guard a little bit. Cause in any time more than one person walks into your business, especially wearing a shirt and tie you're like all right what the hell is going on here i'm about to get <laughs> bombarded audited. Yeah, well about, yeah anything it you're could about be, to get audited nothing is good no, nothing about it is good i mean they're gonna be tried and somebody's gonna sell me something or whatever so um yeah i mean i like I, I would say introduce myself and be like you know this is my bodyguard and a lot of times it was like a like a five five you know Hundred and five pound little white girl, <laughs> like obviously not my bodyguard, but you know, it would make people laugh. So it was like you know the, the cheesier the stuff the better, just to kind of get them to loosen up. But yeah, two accounts a day was um, was was what they were looking for. And I mean, if it, like if you couldn't do two accounts a day, it was it was it, it was pretty easy to do. That's, let's say that.
1: What's the average volume on one of those accounts? I mean, are they literally four, just four hundred dollars expecting- in sales? Yeah
2: four hundred dollars and or up sorry so each each account would be like the average order size that, that we were shooting for was two hundred bucks. So you walk in with an
1: army of people, introduce your bodyguard yep. who's right. obviously not your bodyguard. Obviously not and you get these people strong armed into purchasing $200 worth of office supplies for yeah. you on the spot.
2: Mm-hmm. And some, you know, sometimes it was more, sometimes it was less. It just depended, you know, on, on the situation. But I mean, we focused heavily on paper and ink because that's the biggest consumable for businesses. And then we had, you know, it, it's not just like, you know, rubber bands and pens and, and stuff like that. We had coffee office, you know, her, um, kit, you know, kitchen bathroom supplies. We would have crazy stuff too, like TVs, computers, um, stuff for, uh, you know, warehouses, like, um, not full on machinery, but, but kind of, you know, uh, PPE, all, all sorts of stuff. So that it was and honestly if, like, if we were doing it the way we should, where we're going back and kind of, you know, trying to upsell. And if we built that relationship, it wasn't hard to get our order size to that average that we needed it to be. But, um, some days were definitely better than others, which is true in any, any industry. Yes. I mean, what was the strategy?
1: What was, I mean, what was your go-to where you're like, you know what? Boom. I know if I walk in with this, I'm guaranteed to sell it.
2: So a couple things, I would say definitely the people who had used this particular company before um, were much easier because they I, I didn't have to introduce anything. They already knew they oh yeah we had ordered some stuff back a while back, but then the prices changed. Like whatever their excuse was, and it was like I would just come up with with some you know reason as to why that happened that may or may not have been true. And well, um, yes, it's a uh, the depletion yeah. of the fruit trees <laughs> in Madagascar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, we did some restructuring, lowered prices, blah blah blah, free shipping, whatever. Um, but yeah, I would, sometimes I would just bundle stuff. Like I could walk, I got, it got to the point where I could walk into a business and immediately like pick out what printer they use. I would know the price off the top of my head cause I'd priced it out already 150 times that week. And, you know, I would just say, you know, we've got this, this bundle deal, it's three boxes of paper and two toner cartridges for your printer back there. You know, it's 20% off. Blah blah blah, and, and it's
1: roughly two hundred dollars. Yeah, roughly
2: roughly two hundred and twelve dollars. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. well, that's how
1: you get your average order size. Exactly. So you took the experience from there. How did that translate into what you did it, it in the PEO industry?
2: Um, it it didn't necessarily. Um, the what translated was the work ethic and the grind because it was a grind. I mean, I'm waking up at whatever 530 every day and I got to get to the office before seven. and then I've got to run a bunch of meetings for my team and not only do that, but make sure that they perform and then not only do that, but make sure that I go out and perform too, especially if I've got somebody who's interviewing for the company out with me. They don't want to see me you know go out and not be able to do sales. like what who's <laughs> how are we gonna bring anybody on? It's ridiculous. Um, so the work ethic and the activity translated. the conversations were completely different because I was having them with different people than I would be having the PEO conversation with. And the PEO conversation was a higher level conversation. Um, and and one of the things that drove me nuts about it is they always talked about this process. Others, oh, you know, need to follow the process, the, the process, the process. There was no process. It was, <laughs> it, it was just a, it, it was kind of all over the place. Like one person would tell you to do one thing and you get, you're getting hammered from all directions. The thing about the office supplies is there was a process. So I was used to a process. I was used to a system. I was used to a pitch. I was used to overcoming objections. I knew what was going to get thrown at me. And it it, it was it, it got to the point where you could do it in your sleep with with the PEO. It was um, th- there was one thing that you were selling and it was the the PEO services. It was the the workers comp, the payroll, the HR, the benefits with the office supplies. I that we had over a million products. I could go in and it's much like insurance, which has translated. You know, I, I could go in and pivot if I needed to. If they're like, oh, all of our printers are are leased, and we get our paper from my brother-in-law who, whatever, has a lumber mill, and who cares? I could pivot and start talking about their Keurig machine that's in their you know in in their um, conference room or what what have you. Um, with the PEO, there was no there there was not a lot of pivoting. It was you know you kind of had one one opportunity to get in there. And, um, if it made sense, great. And, and there's absolutely people who it makes sense for, but it's, you've got to crank up the volume big time to get that to happen.
1: Yeah. I got to believe the fall off in the funnel is huge.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, 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 big time. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, transitioning into the insurance industry is what I've, uh, th- that's something that I've really enjoyed where, you know, and we talked about it when we had first started having discussions about me coming on is, I mean, there's so many different avenues that you could go down and that just allows you to get, um, get your point across to more people that in the PEO industry, it's not going to, it's not going to make sense for.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is it's, it's more of a convenience play too, right? I think people who go into PEO are only going in there if they need to rehabilitate Their workers' comp, which makes them an undesirable risk for the PEO, or they just want the benefits. They want the convenience. I mean, but but the the problem is it's not it's not a need. They don't need it, like unless unless their performance is bad or their benefits, you know, census is terrible. It doesn't become a viable option. Whereas with insurance, everybody has to have it. Like it's the driving factor business. that I
2: found, and yeah, and I agree with you, is that people were looking to get into the PEO situation mainly due to benefits and being able to have access to richer plans, lower costs because of the master plans, and, and the huge amount of lives that are on a master PEO policy. Um, sometimes it was workers' comp, but not really for us. We were more white collar, so we weren't dealing with businesses that were having trouble um, with their workers' comp, because we weren't going to write that stuff anyways. And and um, I just think that, again, that kind of pigeonholes you. They, they wanted you to kind of really sell on the value. And sometimes you could, you know, the value of, of allowing them to be able to focus more on the revenue-producing tasks of the business versus all of the day-to-day HR, you know, benefit administration, all that kind of stuff. But it, truthfully, wasn't a huge burden for for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think the thing too is that with the uh, the PEOS specifically, every one of them says the same thing. I mean, for the our most technology part, technology.
2: This and you know, our we're
1: technology, gonna... and we're going to give you HR support, and we right. and then then it never happens, or it right. very rarely happens. You know, you've got a person that owns a company that's got fifteen to twenty five employees on average, sitting mm-hmm. there thinking, how do I differentiate this? You sound just like the last eight people who have pitched me on exactly well, the same thing.
2: Yeah, in in Florida, I mean Florida was the birthplace of PEO. So it's, you know, it's even more saturated down here. You've got um you've got your small ones, you get the, the you know, the big guys like ADP and Paychex and you know, um Oasis and whatever and and, and it's just the market is absolutely saturated.
1: Yeah. So you had said you feel like that your skill set transferred over much better to insurance. What mm-hmm. specifically led you to say that?
2: Well, I, I just think it's an easier conversation to have with people when there's, um, you know, a number of roads that you can go down. Not every time am I going to get in front of somebody and workers comp, which obviously is what we lead with at Florida Risk is their driving factor. I mean, that happened to you. You told the story about that the other week, you know, you were pulling somebody's mod and it was a, it was a good mod. Like, you know, they didn't have any issues. That's, that's typically where we start and where we try to kind of drive that wedge. But if, if that wedge isn't there, having the ability to pivot to something else and, and look at the way their, uh, other coverages and, and policies are structured, you know, that's, that's huge. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that example you gave the other week, you know, definitely kind of exemplifies that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the mod was like a
2: .77 7 or something like that. Like
1: a .77. 7. Yeah. And I actually went over and met with that guy. Um, I think it was at the tail end of last, it was mid midweek last week. I don't think it was mm-hmm.
2: this
1: week. The weeks have been going by so fast, I lose track. Oh, they all blur now. together. It's like. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I went over and had the conversation with him and by all practical purposes, there was like nothing wrong
2: until I I showed him
1: like five things that because an agent was asleep at the wheel, you know, ended up being what ultimately led his desire to hire us. So, you know, I think you do have to be able to pivot. I think, you know, the more you cold call, the more you go out and get in front of people, in high volume like that and have to overcome the objection on the front end. The Mm -hmm. better you get and the more fine-tuned your skill set gets in that segment of it. And anybody can learn insurance, man. In my opinion, I could take anybody and teach them technical insurance a little bit at a time. And eventually over time, they're going to get it. You're not going to get that skill set of going in and overcoming objection, getting past a gatekeeper, Without going out and doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could do role playing and all of that in the office, but until you're actually out there, like as you were telling me that you would walk in with like somebody who's interviewing to be on the job, you're far too kind, man. Cause if it was me, I would go in there and I would just like start talking and then go stiff mid sentence and clam up. Like I'd never had the conversation before just to see if they could jump in and bail me out.
2: Sometimes we would. I mean, they would have to know a little bit about, um, you know, about the products we had and stuff like that. So it was, it, if there was somebody who was really sharp, um, we would, we would let them try Like, sometimes they would ask to be like, you know, can I try the next one? I'm like, shit. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Knock yourself out, dude. Um, you know, I remember on my interview, actually, like we, (laughs) I, I was interviewing with, um, the guy who ended up hiring me, uh, and, and was my, my team leader. And it was towards the end of the day. I've been with him all day. He was training this girl who was in like day, a million of training and training was supposed to last like one week max. And so we're sitting there and she's just kind of fumbling around. We're at this place in Madeira beach, this like kayak rental place and you know they've got customers in there it's this little small place the ac like doors are open it's it's hot as balls because it's the middle of summer and ac is not really working the lady behind the counter is just like not getting it and i'm like finally i just jumped in and i'm like it's free shipping the prices are lower you order online it's really simple you just have to order some stuff today and like afterwards i was just like you know sorry i jumped in there i just couldn't I, i mean i couldn't couldn't take it anymore.
1: I can't, you can't handle it, man. You see people crashing and burning, you know, you, know, you want to put them out of their misery.
2: Exactly. So, you know, the, the manager ended up jumping in and, and closing the deal. I'm not going to say that I closed it because I didn't, but I, I was like at least saying the bullets that needed to be said. And it's just, you know, it, it, it for for people who were, you could tell that people either had it or they didn't. And for the people who did, definitely would let them try to jump in if, uh, you know, if they were up to it.
1: So the next question becomes, how do you create that process, right? Obviously, we have the process that we go through that we talk about all the time. But I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has to make everything somewhat their own. What's that process look like now? If you're getting ready to go and, and you're, this is your day for marketing drops, you're gonna you're going to be yeah. doing cold calls. How do you prepare for that?
2: Yeah, so the preparation is key, as we talked about like a million times and his guests on our show have talked about. um,
1: I may or may not have authored a book about it
2: actually. (laughs) Right. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm preparing. So like I would do drops uh, when, when we were allowed to still see people in person Tuesday, um, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, if, my schedule permitted it and didn't have other appointments on the, you know, in those time slots, but I'm, I'm getting prepared on Friday, the week before, I'm, you know, researching everything I can about their business and the people that who I may need to talk to, you know, getting on LinkedIn and and trying to find people for that company who, um, you know, may or may not be decision makers or even like, you know, if I can find the gatekeeper that that's huge. If I can walk in ahead of time and know the gatekeepers name somehow, like, make them just think that i already know them that we are friends that maybe they've seen me in the past huge um so social media stuff you know facebook linkedin um what have you and then you know try to find some stuff out about the business get on reference usa you know um see what their revenue is looking like does it fit in with what our target market is um am i going to be wasting my time are they only a you know a company that's doing whatever eight hundred thousand dollars in sales and and maybe some of the info that i have is is misleading like i don't want to waste my time so i'm going to spend you know the, the the 15 20 minutes on the front end doing the research to make sure that they're that they're a good fit for for our our value proposition so that goes on on friday um and then you know on uh on tuesday i hit it and you know doing whatever, eight, 10 drops, um, you know, depending on how they go and, and just trying to get in front of people. And, and the thing that, the thing that's different that, um, you know, I kind of appreciate now after doing the office supply thing is I'm not going in and and putting the hard clothes on people and getting them to buy insurance from me. Like right there, I had to do it for the office supplies. Like I was, you know, it was commission only if I didn't sell some stuff, I wasn't eating dinner in two weeks, you know? So I, um, I, I, definitely, have appreciated that and knowing that I can go in and, and just put the, um, put the work in to build that relationship and ultimately get in front of the right people, even though it's not going to probably, I, I don't want to meet with the decision maker. Usually when I go in and do a drop, it's, it's not. I mean, if I do, it's great if they come out, but it's not gonna be a it, it'll be a very high level conversation. It's not gonna be anything specific unless they just start offering up a whole bunch of information, in which case that would probably set off the alarms for me, anyways, that something may not be right.
1: Yeah, that they just happen to be sitting there reviewing <laughs> yeah. their loss runs right as you were walking into the door. I mean, truthfully, if you hit enough volume, you're gonna have that happen at some point.
2: No, like, it happens. If you,
1: if you call on enough people, you're gonna actually walk into places at exactly the right time. Mm-hmm. That's just the law of numbers, man. Yep. And the way that it works, because truthfully, there are people who have issues, you know, you just have to call on enough people to find them.
2: Yeah. And that was, and I other, mean, f- you know, yeah. for us,
1: we know a lot of them that have issues when we're, before we ever walk in, right. Part of, of it's edu- educating them, you know, that they sure. have that issue because they don't realize it. Nobody's ever explained it to them before.
2: Most of them don't. I mean, every once in a while you get somebody who really has, you know, their finger on it and, and, and knows what's going on. but, um a, a lot of them don't even realize that there's that there's an issue or they just think that that's workers comp hey these things happen and there's nothing nothing we can really do about it but obviously that's that's not the truth and that's where we get to get in there and kind of dissect everything and show them hey this is uh this is ha- this is what we're going to be able to do to fix fix what you got going on and no, yeah, nobody's ever told up. them before right
1: no, they they have no clue i mean and it's It's crazy that it's that way because Mm -hmm. the tools are right there available for everybody. They just don't want to take the time to do it, man. Right. So you've been in this for two years now. What is one piece of advice that you would give to anybody that's looking to cut their teeth in middle market based on those two years that you've experienced specifically in PNC uh, compared to any of the other sales stuff that you've done?
2: I would say listening to what the prospects are saying um, more attentively and being able to, because when you get an objection from from um, a prospect, the chances are there's going to be a bunch of other people that have that same issue. Whether it's an objection, or just a question, but really focusing on it and trying to you know identify trends so that you can be you know better equipped. I think um, you know initially getting into it. I was just because there's so many different aspects of the insurance that you kind of get. I'm somebody who wants, I I don't want to, um, you know, get stuck in, in a situation where I'm constantly like not knowing the answer to something. So, you know, that would, you know, initially I I was trying to avoid that. I would just say, you know, that's been something that I've learned along the way.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's good advice and probably a good place for us to end. We were trying to keep these at about 30 minutes. I think you gave them 30 solid minutes of stuff that anybody who's got some sales experience can take and learn from as they go into this industry. So uh, look, man, have a good weekend and we will chat
2: soon. Cool. See you.
0: You've been listening to the power producers podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you wanna take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.